Um, okay, so what the fuck are we going to talk about during this episode? Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus. I... Hello, and welcome back to the Slums Cast. I'm your co-host, Nora Panzer, and I have been banned from Netrunner. And I'm Josh, a.k.a. Orbital Tangent, still Netrunner's okayest player. Notably not banned from Netrunner. You know, one for two ain't bad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's going to be a little different from how our episodes typically are. Typically, we have a bunch of segments. There's plenty of fun to be had by all, plenty of laughs. Plenty of funny things are said intentionally and or unintentionally by me and Josh. This is going to be a little different from that. This is, uh, I don't know, what's the right way to say this? Just there are some things that have happened in the community lately that we want to discuss because I think it would really not be appropriate for us to not discuss them. But I can't guarantee that you're going to laugh much during this episode. Yeah, basically, we have a platform now, and if we said nothing about the happenings in the community, it would be a little bit weird, because we do tend to talk about tournaments, we do tend to talk with tournament winners. So when there are things that are going on that affect a wide breadth of people or are affecting the community that we love, we should talk about them. Yeah, still... I, I, I still like my mind rebelled when you said we have a platform now. I was like, what are you talking about? No, we don't. <laughs> the fuck we don't. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh man, that's really fucking weird. That's just, yeah. oh, who let us do this? Who let us get in this position? That's just a very strange decision. <laughs> the people who listen to us. <laughs> very strange decision by people. Okay. One of the things that has happened in the Netrunner community lately is in StimSlack, there were recently, I don't think I would call it a rules change. I would think I, I would call it more of a clarification of forum rules in the StimSlack board. There were some people who were not happy with the rules clarification. There were some people who were very happy with the rules clarification. And I think it's just since StimSlack is a large place where people gather to discuss sometimes Netrunner, but you know they are at least Netrunner players there to discuss things. It matters. It's a place where the community happens. And I think it potentially presages conversations that could eventually happen in other larger spaces like GLC in the future. So the statement that was made in general is the following. I'll read it verbatim. We've decided it's a slippery slope to try and soft moderate things that aren't in our code of conduct. While it hasn't descended into anything bad yet, it feels weird to tell people that they aren't allowed to post things that aren't mentioned in our code of conduct. We do stand by our policy of asking people to thread or delete or move things that may be triggering to a specific channel or a thread, but have decided that a blanket soft ban on things like food in this instance leads to moderation that is unclear and inconsistent. If there is a topic that's being discussed that is triggering for you, please ask the poster to move it somewhere else or message one of the mods and we can ask for you. In regards to things that shouldn't be said or talked about, the code of conduct should have you covered there. The statement is only in regards to topics that aren't mentioned in the code of conduct. And I think another important piece of conduct there would be what is mentioned in the code of conduct. So let me pull that up real quick. Yeah. And the code of conduct essentially has an entire section that defines what harassment is in Stimslack. 
And it includes things that I think would commonly fall under the topic of like, oh, you definitely shouldn't be able to post that. Things like ridiculing people for asking beginner questions or for having different competitive goals for their participation in the game. You can't just completely rip on people for only liking jank or you can't ridicule someone for being a tryhard. You can't make offensive comments related to gender identity or expression, sexual orientation, disability, mental illness, neuroatypicality or neurotypicality, physical appearance, race, religion, or lifestyle choices, deliberate misgendering or dead naming, outing any aspect of a person's identity without their consent. It is a, a long and I would say pretty comprehensive list. There are certain things that if they're not mentioned in the code of conduct, you have to message a mod to get rid of it. A natural instinct might be, well, the code of conduct better cover the biggest, most important things. And I think the main takeaway here is like, you know, the code of conduct does. I would say things that the vast majority of people would say that is not something that I want in a general chat that anyone, including potentially a minor, can see. It does cover that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it gives a couple of different examples to a lot of the things that it's explicitly banning or explicitly calling out as problematic behaviors. But it does not spell out everything, and mm -hmm. nor should it. Yeah. Because if it tries, then you'll have somebody that does something that's not part of that list and goes, well, it wasn't on the list. Right. So it is vague in some areas. And yeah. unfortunately, saying DM a mod with a topic you're uncomfortable with, that's vague. But again, we can't spell it all out because that would be ridiculously hard to enforce and something that somebody might try to skirt around. Mm -hmm. So trying to enforce soft rules is really difficult. In my opinion, I think that the mods are 100% correct, not really trying to actively do it. Yeah. But again, they'll do it if you message them, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. that's the takeaway here is they're not changing the code of conduct to cover soft discussions on certain topics. That's not what it's for. Yeah. This is for explicitly calling out things that you absolutely cannot do mm -hmm. and giving you examples of them, not labeling all of them, but basically saying, yeah, here are the main things. Right. And then for the rest of it, we'll figure it out on a case-by-case -case basis. And if it's a subject that would normally be allowed, if it makes you uncomfortable, DM us. I don't, I don't get how this is a controversial statement or a controversial stance. It's, it's, it's beyond me. So yeah. Uh, apparently it is a somewhat controversial statement and stance though. So it's worth us discussing that. What's your opinion on how shit went down with that, I guess? I take the stance that if we can minimize speaking about a certain topic that a person is uncomfortable with, that it's absolutely their prerogative to say, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this. Can we not talk about it? And I think it's cool for the mods to be behind that and say, yeah, we'll support you if you have something that you're uncomfortable about. But when there are subjects that are ostensibly very part of human life, yeah, you can't expect people to not talk about those. That's unreasonable. Yeah. yeah. And especially in what's ostensibly a public space. You can't not Not ostensibly, very much is a public space. Yeah, I mean, it very yeah. much is a public space for thousands of people. Now, there's only maybe a couple of hundred active members, but still, even still. It, it's a large enough number of active people that I think there's also an upper bound of the amount of work that you can reasonably expect a mod team to do. And like without more automatic solutions, like having a bot that deletes any post that has food-related topics in it, 
unless you mm-hmm. literally have like AI like solutions like that. And it'd have to be an AI solution. It couldn't just be an auto mod right. for certain phrases because you'd catch stuff that that's completely basically un- yeah. fine. People would talk about it like a deck innovation being tasty, and that would get deleted. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. My stance here is I I have some empathy for the person in question, but mm-hmm. I also think that the ask on their side was completely unreasonable and that what the mods put forward was a very reasonable I, I i don't think it's reasonable to ask them to moderate things that are outside of the code of conduct and for a number of mm-hmm. reasons i don't think it's reasonable to say oh we're going to have the list of every possible topic that you can't talk about in the code of conduct because mm-hmm. then and like this is not an academic exercise this is a thing that actually happened for certain people it becomes a game of testing those edges figuring out exactly what they can get away with and figuring out exactly how they can weaponize the new stance yeah absolutely against things that they don't want to hear i do think that a code of conduct by its very nature does need to be a little bit vague yes it needs to call out specific unacceptable behaviors that have very clear lines and then beyond that it needs to basically be interpretable because human interaction is not all black and white so it's sort of like obscenity laws versus porn Uh, remember this old quote about the supreme court justice i know it it, when i see it yeah yeah i know it when i see it harassment online is something that's hard to define sometimes but you know it when you see it right exactly people forgetting that there's like an unwritten agreement that you literally can't reference any document to find that you're not supposed to talk about food in general. That's not harassment. (laughs) No, no, it's not. It's people either not knowing or forgetting and Mm -hmm. also talking about, again, something that is in human life considered very universal. Yeah. I think that's one of the key parts of the discussion to me. It isn't, this was a group of people that were getting into general and talking about arson. Mm -hmm. This isn't a group of people who are like, yeah, let's share tips on how to burn down buildings. This was discussion that I think very few people have any reason to object to. And the more that the conversation resembles that, the more work that it puts on a mod team to have to enforce a soft rule of that nature. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the less you can expect to be able to force them to do, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with the stance of, If someone requests not to talk about a certain thing, Mm -hmm. drop the subject, figure out something else to talk about. Or if they're uncomfortable saying, hey, I'm uncomfortable with the subject, they can privately DM a mod and a mod can say it and we can drop the subject and say something else. That's the best we can do. It is unreasonable for us to mentally keep a list of verboten subjects. Yeah. It's weird to put them in the COC and have that be sort of like an angle shot that can happen with somebody harassing people in the community and testing their boundaries. Yeah. So the best that can be done to moderate a space is to have the strong COC that points out the absolute cross the line behaviors is necessarily vague on the things it needs to be. And then if there are subjects that are considered basically normal, everyday human subjects that people talk about that you're uncomfortable with, ask them not to or talk to a mod. That's so reasonable. And I, I, I sympathize with anybody that has things in their life that prevent them from following something like that, them needing additional consideration 
I, I sympathize, but at a certain point, it's it's not feasible to accommodate yeah. every little thing. We can be as safe as we can be, and we can be as understanding as we can be, but we cannot tailor general to everybody's liking. It's just right. not going to happen. Right. I think a fair amount about accessibility because it's a thing that we deal mm -hmm. with at work. Building software, yeah. you have to think about accessibility. And, yeah. you know, it is a tough nut to crack just in general. I think that there's also a difference between making a piece of software accessible yep. and guaranteeing that the conversation in a channel is going to be acceptable for every single person. Maybe one, uh, I don't know, conclusion that we can draw from this is it is a genuinely tough problem. The mods mm -hmm. don't have it easy. Yep. And personally speaking, I mean, the mods that we have in Stimslack, I fully support them and the decisions that they've made around this topic. I think that they are doing the best job that they can with mm -hmm. a very hard problem to solve. I think that yep. there is no single solution that is going to make everyone happy and not create an unreasonable amount of work for them and not mm -hmm. leave the moderation policies so fragile that they can't be exploited by bad actors, which again, not really a hypothetical there. I won't say anything more because I don't know how much of this information I'm supposed to be privy to, but like this is very much not theoretical, that part of the discussion. I think that sometimes we can get complicit in this community because the vast majority of people I do believe act in good faith and mm -hmm. are genuinely good people. I mean, there's a couple of people that are somewhat assholes here and there, and I know every once in a while I'm an asshole myself. But I think that because somebody who's really like a bad faith actor is kind of rare, we can fall into this trap of thinking that well, we can fall into two different traps. We can fall into the one trap that says, well, they just don't exist. And mm -hmm. then we're blown away by somebody coming in and being explicitly racist or explicitly transphobic. That has that happened. Which has we happened. Have, yep. We have seen that, yes. Uh, we, we, we don't have to get into the details because obviously this was like bad enough that this person was immediately banned from Stem Slack forever and still complains about it to this day because they are so salty that they can't be in the, like the cool people get to discuss Netrunner Club because they're too racist. But like, you know, someone came in and dropped some extremely foul language and extremely foul, mm -hmm. uh, racial based imagery in Stem Slack and- you need to have cases where you can boot them out fucking immediately when they do that. Yeah, it has happened before, but like I was saying, it's rare enough that it's easy f to forget. And people that haven't been in the community for the long haul over the last however long it's been a thing, I think six, seven, maybe even eight years, they can think, oh, in this particular type of community, that maybe just doesn't exist. And it absolutely mm -hmm. does. That's one trap that you can fall into. But the other trap that you can fall into is because that's rare and most people are good natured, you can start looking for problems with people that are genuinely good natured. And what I mean by that is the policy that the mods announced, I think, is completely reasonable. And if you look at who the mods are, it's Toll, it's Bebloom, it's Alexis, it's Dodge. And if you look at that group of people and their decision-making and you go, you didn't think about this or you don't care 
or you're being problematic to those four people in particular, that's no, that's false. That's wrong. And you are looking for a reason to get angry with them. And they are not genuinely bad actors. Mm -hmm. Even if you disagree with their decision, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I think that's a case sometimes of an end goal or an end feeling looking for a problem. I don't want to assign any motive or anything like that, but I don't understand why somebody would look at those people and be like, you're causing problems. They are not, yeah. they are not those type of people. And that's again, my opinion on that. So the, the closest I've ever seen the people in question to creating a problem is the time that Alexis didn't make enough Steve alt arts. Like she only lasered like three or four Steve's before coming to OTG. And there was almost a fight that broke out when someone got the last one. So, you know, that's the closest I've seen. God damn it, Alexis. You gotta, you gotta put more Steve's out there. People are thirsty for Steve. People want Richard Cambridge. Indeed. Whatever the fucking, what, what do the Brits call him? I forget what they call him. <laughs> uh, I think it's just any common name slash any university. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you can have like Bob <laughs> Yale or Richard Oxford, David Eaton, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, even John Brown, because Brown is an Ivy League. Brown, school, you're right. Brown is an Ivy League school. Oh, oh, that's good. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, Josh, I'll turn this back around on you. Then one of the things that you're known for is being one of the thirsty posters in general. What if the code of conduct came for thirsty posting? Well, I would be sad at first, but honestly, I would shut the fuck up because, and roll with me on this, this may be a difficult concept to grasp, mm -hmm. but conversation yeah. requires consent, just like anything else. And if I am discussing a topic that makes people uncomfortable and they tell me to stop, I'm going to stop. I'm not even going to joke about this. Like people who are asked to stop discussing certain topics explicitly, mm -hmm. there's an easy response to that. The answer is you stop discussing them. It's not that hard. But I think as we discussed where it gets difficult is having to keep this mental tally of, mm -hmm. oh, if I'm in STEM Slack, I can't talk about food. If I go over to GLC, mm -hmm. I can talk about food anywhere. But if I go over to STEM Slack, I can't talk about food unless I'm in the food channel. And if that list gets longer, if that list gets more complicated, it becomes difficult to navigate these spaces and it takes mental energy and it no longer is a fun place that you just want to go. Yeah, it becomes work. And I know that the counter argument to that is that if we are allowed to talk about the things that bother people that want to be in these spaces, it becomes work for them to be in those spaces. But it yeah. also, it depends on the number of people that you're affecting too. It's fine for when you are in a space and in a conversation for you to basically revoke your consent of that conversation and say, hey, can we not talk about this? And it's on the people around you to then go, yeah, okay, we, we can talk about something else because it's really easy to change subjects, mm -hmm. you know. But or it's, to ask them, please take this out of the main channel, take this to a thread. Yeah, but it's yeah. not on those people to constantly have that on their minds when it's a specific thing to you. Yeah. So you can't I think the I think revoke your consent in absentia. Like when you're not there, <laughs> you yeah. can't say that you can't talk about a certain thing. That's ridiculous. I think the expectations of a particular channel also play into this. Part of the problem here is that this is the general channel, kind of the general mm -hmm. chit chat just like talking about whatever channel. 
if we were talking about the let's discuss deck lists channel, I think that there's a much better expectation of like, I mean, why would you be talking about food there? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. At the end of the day, if people don't want me to talk about a certain thing, I won't. Yeah. It's as simple as that. But I'm not going to expect the mods to enforce everybody's preferences. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And, you know, if there is something that genuinely is a prevalent enough problem in the community that it warrants being added to the code of conduct, then absolutely I support adding it to the code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Sure. I just think that this soft moderation outside of the code of conduct, I mean, God, maybe if we had a mod team that was 10 times as large and they were paid when it's four people, probably one of whom is active at any given moment. Mm-hmm. It just gets really, really difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. they can't be everywhere at once all the time. Moving on to the next happening that we want to discuss during this cast. This involves a person that usually, when they're mentioned on the podcast, we actually bleep their name out. That's not going to happen today. I think, again, you know, we're taking a bit more of a somber tone in today's episode. We're taking things a bit more seriously. This is about Whiteblade and about the things that have happened to and surrounding Whiteblade in the recent weeks. And in light of the somber tone, I I will agree with what Pants is saying and not cut the feed. I can give the view that I had, which was of someone who basically had no insider information on any of this. Any opinions that I express are, you know, not the opinions of Nisei. It's all separate from whatever connection is there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to have a super spicy take. And I think something that I also want to make clear, like we're not here to make spicy takes this episode. I don't, we're here to make the takes that we think are correct about the situations. We're not here to stir up drama. I think it's unrealistic to assume that when there are events like this, where reasonable people can disagree about them, that there will be zero drama whatsoever if they're discussed, but that is not the point of this episode. We're not here to try to create drama. To answer your question, I was aware that something was going to happen. I did not know the extent, and I did not know the form of communication that was going to happen. We weren't really in positions that were that different when it came to this particular incident. So essentially the view that I had was a day that seemed just like any other. I was in Stim Slack as I often am and Whiteblade posted a post that essentially said, "Hey, I got this letter. This is what it said. I have a response. I'm posting both this and the public response. Feel free to read them." And that obviously was a bit strange in my opinion. I obviously clicked in and read them and essentially what happened is the following. So Whiteblade got a letter from Nisei on behalf of the OP, the EDI, and the community teams. It particularly pertained to an eternal tournament that had happened recently, but it was also a much longer list of concerns stretching much farther back that pertained to different topics. And it came attached with some sanctions on Whiteblade moving forward. So I think we need to talk about what happened with Shiv. So Shiv was one of the cards that was caught up in a change that rules had made for Gateway, in which every single icebreaker got a formatting change for its breaking ability to have the interface tag, which means to use that ability, you have to match the strength of the ice that you're affecting. Every single icebreaker was errated to have this interface tag 
on its breaking abilities. Shiv got the wrong text. Instead of getting its Nisei-era errated text, it got the errated text of one of the Cloudbreakers. Shiv is a killer, and the Cloudbreaker in question was a decoder. Essentially, it, by a strict reading of NRDB as actual legal card text and the oracle text of a card, Shiv was able to break code gates. The text of Shiv is supposed to be, it breaks centuries. It has a trash ability that says break up to three century subroutines. It has plus one strength for each installed icebreaker, no other way to pump its strength. Whereas the oracle text that was on it, two credits to boost three strength and two credits to break any number of code gate subroutines. So the reason that Shiv is even part of the discussion, the reason that like Shiv is a thing that we're even talking about, there was this incorrect text on Shiv. And Whiteblade played Shiv in a game in an Eternal tournament. I think this was a fairly low stakes Eternal tournament, if I understand correctly. 18 people. It was Lost Geek putting together an Eternal tournament to test those rules out and test out the new points-based system of Eternal cards. So I think this was round three of the tournament, if I remember correctly. It had not come up in either round one or round two because in Whiteblade's runner games, no code gates were raised. And Whiteblade put down a shiv and attempted to break a code gate with that shiv. There are some screenshots actually uh, that were posted in Slack. I'm going to go into those just to get a sense here. We have an explanation from Whiteblade. Okay, shiv isn't implemented on JNet, so I'm just going to do it manually. Is that okay? Opponent responds, it's a sentry breaker. Whiteblade says, it's a killer, yes. Opponent says, for code gates. And Whiteblade says, yes, it breaks code gate subroutines. How? That's the text of the card. The card image is inaccurate. Feel free to call a judge, but it breaks code gate subroutines. So we already see the exchange here. This is, in many ways, the meat of the exchange has already passed here. Mm -hmm. Scrolling forward in the conversation a little bit, the judge does, in fact, get involved. Opponent does, in fact, call a judge. The judge is Lost Geek in this case. Whiteblade explains, I want to break a gatekeeper with Shiv. It costs me six, but it isn't implemented on Janet. Can I do it manually? Lost Geek, I think, has the very reasonable response of multiple questions. So Shiv breaks centuries, how would it work on Gatekeeper? The response here is refer to the official card text on page 80 of the errata rules document. You can clearly see Shiv breaks code gate subroutines. At this point, Lost Geek realizes what Whiteblade's referring to, looks at the Oracle text on NRDB and sees this is actually a thing. You have a point here, like the rules text does in fact say the incorrect thing. So at this point, Lost Geek makes the determination that, okay, fine, but you have to change your deck between rounds. The Shiv was replaced with a Zul. Mm -hmm. Then the tournament proceeded forward at that point. Zul would replace Shiv, and there we go. One thing I will say, the tone of this conversation is not apocalyptic. Like, you know, we're, we're, not, sure. we're not getting like dramatic mm -hmm. back and forth. Oh my God, mm -hmm. I can't believe you've done this. There's some very good natured ribbing on Lost Geek's side. Like, okay, it's mm -hmm. clearly a mistake in the errata document. Shiv was mm -hmm. obviously printed as a killer. But as you say, this is your only way yeah. of breaking decoders. And knowing you, you're probably not experienced enough to know the entire card pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the opponent even got into it at a, at a certain point and started cracking jokes too. I can see in the screenshots here, the opponent says like, I'm not a judge, but I say go ahead. 
uh, at one point says, I'm laughing so much. And I think that that was the intent here. I don't know this for sure. And I don't have any special channels or anything like that. I do think a previous opponent, it had been installed and mentioned. And I think that opponent was uncomfortable with it. I don't know if it was used. From what I understand, it was not used in that game. This was the first time that Shiv actually got used. And I think that this opponent was very good natured about it. And I think Lost Geek did the best that they could being put on the spot. So I don't want to give Lost Geek any slops or anything about that. Oh, not at all. No. I am not speaking for White Blade, and I'm not White Blade's deepest, closest friend or anything like that. But just knowing White Blade, having hung out with him, traveled with him a little bit, I do think the intent here was that he would get called out on it, and it would be something that he would be match-lost or DQ'd for, and that it would just be a meme funny way to point out the quality control on the document wasn't up to par before a tournament. I think that that was the intent, but intent isn't always what you have to judge situations on. Correct. And if there was an opponent previously, if that part of it's true, where it was installed against a previous opponent, even if it wasn't used and they were a little bit uncomfortable with it, that's not cool. I, I do think that using a obvious quirk in quality control and an obvious quirk of the rules structure, I don't want to go so far as to call it like cheating or anything like that, but I do think that it's something that is in bad faith and in bad taste. I think if it's something that you realize is a mistake before a tournament, especially a major tournament, I don't, I don't want to say that this is a major tournament, but continentals Mm -hmm. right and somebody decided to use this at continentals i think that instead what you should do is you should contact op there are a ton of them on slack glc twitter it's really easy to get hold of somebody from nisei because they are in the community and you should inform them hey yo your rules on a card that might come up are a little bit fucked up you should probably fix this before this tournament And I think that that's the correct way to handle it. I think pretty unequivocally in my mind, this is something that should not have been done. I do think that this is something that merits action. And I do think that it is not something that you do in good faith. So honestly, as far as Nisei spooling up on this one issue in particular and going, that's fucked up, don't do that. I have no complaints and I I have no disagreements. I think the point about intent isn't the only thing to consider is Mm -hmm. that really sums up how I feel about this. The exact way that this interaction went is fucking hilarious. I like, I, 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 it's objectively very funny. The exact way that this exchange went. Absolutely. And the butcher Shiv should totally go into Roseville (laughs) three. That said, I think the only reason that it went as well as it went is because you had an opponent who, frankly, like you was the the opponent in this case, was super chill and super cool with this. That's literally just like, okay, congrats, you won the lottery and your opponent didn't flip out and like think that this was completely not cool and not trust the competitive scene in Netrunner because it's full of angle shooters. Mm -hmm. And and like to, to be clear, again, I don't see this as angle shooting. I don't see this as cheating. 
However, I think that a reasonable person who doesn't know you well could see it that way. And if oh, that's yeah, the absolutely. takeaway that they get from a tournament like this, mm -hmm. that sucks. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's fair. And I, I, I don't think actually anybody, even Whiteblade himself, disputes that. I think there's an obvious comparison that you can make. There's another high-profile example of someone basically making an example of their performance at a tournament to prove mm -hmm. a point about rules in the game of Netrunner. Oh, yeah. The example that I'm going with here is uh, Jack Carvis, uh, also known as Zach Cavis, who yep. brought the icebreaker Eternal Hunger to the World Championships of Netrunner. At the time, there was... Absolutely no indication within the rules of Netrunner whatsoever that the card Eternal Hunger, which says trash and install card, break and end the run subroutine. There's no indication whatsoever that that card has to be one of the runner's cards. And this was something that had been complained about before, that FFG did not respond, did not make any changes to the rules to make it clear, yes, this has to be an installed runner card. Round one of the World Championships, Zach gets like a wall of static or something rezzed on him. He has endless hunger. And he says, okay, I'm going to trash this unrezzed ice to break that subroutine. And from what I understand, the opponent was like, oh, that's really good. Goes in the tank for a minute. And it's like, oh man, how do I deal with this? And Zach is like, I think you should call a judge here. There is a parallel there. But when the situation first came up, dude said, call a judge on me just unequivocally call a judge on me, is number one. And number two, in those days, FFG's templating on all cards was absolutely horrific mm -hmm. because there were some cards that said, trash an installed runner card, trash an installed corp card. And then there were some cards that just said, trash an installed card. These days, through Jade... And through Jamie and through several of the other rules associates are trying to build a model of the Netrunner rules that is whole and complete and is something that you could study akin to the Magic the Gathering comprehensive rules. And you could literally like major in being a judge. They're trying to make it that complete, that cohesive, and that well templated. In FFG days, that was not the case. Damon Stone himself even said specifically, I go with the wording that lets you know what the card does. I don't necessarily follow a template. Paraphrasing heavily here, but he said essentially something along those lines several times publicly. So you didn't know that cards were supposed to do a specific thing unless you got the word of God from Twitter or a tournament. It is the same situation, but we're talking round one versus a corporation that didn't have an idea of how their game should function on a basically modeled and scientific level versus round three. The round one versus round three thing, I'm not going to read too much into just because, again, round three was essentially round one that Shiv was relevant in this that's, tournament. Th well, that's fair, but it feels like that's maybe the only avenue to do that in the FFG era. You didn't have Damon Stone being a member of the community that you could just ping on Slack. Right. How many people tried to get FFG to give us the MWL less than like two days before a tournament? How many people tried to get FFG to change this exact templating issue before yes. Zach actually yeah. did this at Worlds? 
Yeah. Yes, correct. And it's it's the same thing with like the floor rules for all of their games, which the didn't ANRP, exist. They didn't. It, they did not exist. exist at all. Yeah. So the ANRPC had to draft their own and say, "This is what we're going to do at our tournaments," and then run a bunch of. 50 and 40 person tournaments over the course of a year before FFG did anything about that. It is not the same era, you know, like you can literally ping Serenity and be like, hey, can you tell rules this is fucked up? And Serenity is going to be like, oh, yeah, that's whacked. Uh, Okay, yeah, we'll get right on it. I'm not unsympathetic to the idea because I, I believe Whiteblade actually explicitly says really the point of this exercise was not just to point out the problem with Shiv, but to point out the overarching problem of releasing a rules document this large that could in principle have functional changes to cards Mm -hmm. that soon before a tournament. I, again, am not sure that this is the right avenue for that though. There is a point there. Sure. Okay. Large rules text documents before big high profile tournaments. That's that's a fair point, but you can make that same point also by doing what I just said, which is, hey, Ren, this card is fucked up. This is why you guys shouldn't do this. Can you contact rules about this? You can literally ping somebody whose job is communications or rules and be like, here's my point. Don't do this. Here's why. Here's my example. Boom, done. You don't yeah. have to sign up to a tournament to do that. Whereas... In FFG, I don't know if that's the case. I think it, yeah. in some cases you had to do... The to analog get them. of Serenity didn't exist under exactly. FFG. I mean, the closest thing was you could ping Lucas on Twitter, and that's how we got a lot of the initial rulings. But even then, I mean, Lucas didn't respond to everybody because mm-hmm. when the game was popping off, the game was... I mean, also just randomly pinging Lucas on Twitter was how we got some of the... That's how we got the original Slums ruling. That's how we got nested triggers. Yeah, that's how we got um, Heritage Committee where you don't have to shuffle after. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. The Glen Station ruling is still my favorite. Oh, the Glen Station ruling. Oh, Jesus Christ. So you can host a government takeover on there. and Yeah. Yeah, you could still advance it. No, Lucas, you should not be able to do that. What a dark few days that was in Neverwinter (laughs) history, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. So that that was reversed pretty immediately when people started to point out how you could abuse it. Obviously, one of the things to point out here, though, is this is only one part of that document. So although I think in this particular case, I think this was a thing that Whiteblade did that was the exact way that it worked out did not end up harming anyone, but it easily could have. I think that's my ultimate take on this side of things. That's not the only thing that was brought up in this letter. And this is where I don't know all of your opinions on it. And I potentially have a divergent opinion from some members of Nisei. Mm. I got to see some of the decision-making taking place, but I wasn't directly involved in it, was not my call. And I don't want to say that anybody had terrible intentions or anything like that. I do think that the letter is a bit misguided for a couple of reasons. Whiteblade gets into this himself in his response to the letter. It looks like there is a tallying of offenses into a critical mass of examples 
to then go to a more extreme call out. And it seems like past events that have already moved into the future are being dredged up as a way to sort of get him. If I can cut in here to give some concreteness to what you're saying here, there's an entire page in this letter that is essentially just a list. Here's a thing that you said in a particular mm -hmm. stream that happened mm -hmm. summer of 2020. Again, recall that this letter was given to Eric in late summer slash fall 2021. So this was mm -hmm. at the time over a year ago. It even gives an exact timestamp. It says, you know, three hours, 31 minutes, 41 seconds. Another statement that was given on another stream that again was, I think at this point, over a year in the past from when the letter was given to Eric. And then there was the blame changer write-up. The blame changer write-up was a little more recent. I think we can go into that in a little more detail. And I think we will go into that in a little more detail, but I just wanted to give some concreteness. What is this mm -hmm. laundry list that we've talked about a few times? I think that detailing all of this out, I think writing this laundry list, I think dredging up things that are older and things that may not have been brought up on the spot are a little bit misguided. I do want to add some clarity to something here and be unequivocal about something. The community standards thing and the Shiv thing are completely separate things. Getting prizes taken away for the Eternal tournament being removed from Nisei comms, those are separate. The prizes taken away were directly related to the Shiv thing and only the Shiv thing. That would have happened regardless, and I think it should have happened. And I also want to be clear that it's within Nisei's purview to say, even just simply, we don't like you and we don't want you on our comms. I think we should be explicit what we're talking about on comms. One of the sanctions that was given out mm -hmm. as part of this letter is essentially Whiteblade is no longer able to participate in official Nisei streams until further mm -hmm. notice. And Nisei is not going to officially boost anything that he participates in until further notice, including podcasts, including blog posts, including anything along those lines. My hottest take on it is probably that some of this stuff is correct in the abstract, and maybe Eric has been possibly cruising for something for a fair while, but the letter itself is a little ill-conceived. It's very long. It's very specific. It reads like an accounting. It reads like documentation that's designed by somebody keeping a tally to, to get somebody. All that needed to be said was, bro, bending the rules in bad faith during a tournament is fucked up. And also, we've noticed that you've been a bit too abrasive and offhanded in your community communications in the past. We don't like how you're communicating right now. Therefore, we don't want you on our streams at the moment. And I think that that's all that needed to be said. A couple of full sentences, maybe a dialogue privately after if he's got questions on what's prompting it, especially that last bit there. And then if you want to bring up some examples then during a private dialogue, cool, that's fine. But it's not to my taste to write a four-page letter with an accounting of somebody's actions without opening that dialogue up, especially one who has done a lot for the community in good faith. I don't think that you can look at that alone versus the things that Whiteblade has done as a good force in the community and say that this guy is trying to be 
a toxic heel. I know it jokes about it a lot, but so does Spags. And I would so does, challenge. So does Sanjay. Yeah. So does Sanjay. Come on, dude. The main problem I have with how the situation was handled, it is the letter, but it's a specific aspect of the letter. The term you used was dredged up. And I think that there are two possibilities here. Either these were things that were dredged up from the past to support a letter to make it look more imposing. If that is the case, that's frankly pretty fucked up, I think. That is an organization, an organization that has more power, that is bringing that power to bear on a specific person. And I don't mm -hmm. like that at all. Mm -hmm. It makes me think like, what have I said eight months ago that in five mm -hmm. months I'm going to hear about? It creates this expectation, like timeliness is the biggest problem in my perspective. If I make a statement that makes them think that I'm not someone that's safe to have on comms in 2020 in January, they should tell me in 2020 in January. Otherwise, how am I supposed to change my behavior moving forward? Either this is stuff that was dredged up from the past, or it was stuff that was filed away at those points in time. And honestly, in some ways, that scenario would be worse because that's saying we knew that this was a thing that we wanted to talk to him about, and we just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. There are kind of soft cases like this where, yes, Whiteblade frankly said some stuff that he clearly should not have said that is very mm -hmm. abrasive that in my opinion, definitely crosses a line. And I know that that's kind of just his communication style. But again, this is an issue of this is a public place. People watch streams that don't know you, that don't know your communication style. Mm -hmm. They yeah. have to be exposed to the way that you talk about America being like a place where everyone's trash at Netrunner is one of the things that he said. I mean, people are going to listen to that. They're going to get pissed off. They might turn the stream off and they don't know it's because that's just how you talk. So while I think Whiteblade said some things that definitely crossed the line, the issue that I have is that if this was a thing that they knew at the time was an instance where Whiteblade crossed the line, if they knew that this was something that they didn't like, they should have talked to him. He is an adult. There should be an open dialogue in cases like this. If you think that he's truly acting in bad faith, then sure. You can do something more official. You can bring more of your official power to bear. I'm just shocked that if these truly were such big concerns, that this was the first that he ever heard about it in an official capacity. I'm surprised that there was no warning given at any point. And again, it makes me worry, at what point are things that I said in the past going to get dredged up against me? Mm -hmm. And I think that any other person in the community could have the exact same worry. And that's the problem. As much as we want to have an inclusive environment where everyone feels safe, I think that this exact mm. letter does the exact opposite. Exactly. My main problem comes with the approach and the length of the letter, this whole timeliness argument. So, yeah, it, it goes to the approach. And in defense of certain people, what I would like to say is that I don't think that some of the people within Nisa understand that there is organizational power there now. And I know that this is something that gets brought up a lot. And at a certain point, it becomes an excuse that can't be used anymore. That's part of why I wanted to speak with you on this is it's a fan run organization with people who are in the community. And it is very hard to think of yourself as an organizational structure that has power, that has a platform. It goes back to what you were saying. We have a platform? 
Who let us have one of those? Yeah. No one. We just kind of. It's kind of we. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, we have one now. And we do. So we have to be careful about what we say with that platform, Mm -hmm. what ideas we endorse. And Nisei has to start to understand that we're Mm -hmm. not just members of the community. It's an organization that has power. And when it comes down in a certain way, that can be perceived in a certain way. It can be felt in a certain way. And those feelings are real. And that power is real. And what's Mm -hmm. done with it is real. It needs to be used in the most sparing sense possible. That's, at the end of the day, my point. I think in the most sparing way appropriate. I think there's one potential way to hear what I said, which I want to make it clear is not what I'm saying. You could potentially hear what I said earlier as, oh, Nisei shouldn't have done what they did to White Blade. It -hmm. was an inappropriate punishment. And I want to be clear that I'm not really saying that. Nisei has Mm -hmm. a brand to consider, a brand to protect. I understand that like me saying that probably Mm -hmm. just triggered the hackles on the back of some people's necks because that's very corporate speak. Nisei has a corporate presence. They have an interest in getting people into the game. You have to have Mm -hmm. a different tone when you're doing that than when you're just sitting around your kitchen table. And there are certain ways Mm -hmm. of speaking about Netrunner, about speaking about the people who play Netrunner that are not welcome in a space like that. Nisei is 100% within their rights to say, like you pointed out, they could just say, sorry, we don't like you that much. We don't want you on our streams. They are within their rights to do that. I think it shouldn't be as simple as we don't like you, but... If you have genuine worries that having someone on your stream is going to make it less of a welcome and inclusive environment for new players to watch or players Mm -hmm. who aren't in on the in-jokes that the top-level Netrunner players have, if it makes it less inclusive for everyone, then yes, absolutely. You're within your rights to say you can't do this. You're within your rights to say, like, fuck it, we'll just have Andre and no one else. I want to be clear, too. Uh I absolutely believe the same thing that you do. It's not the content of the letter and it's not the actions that were taken. It's Nisei's stream to do with whatever they will, their commentary to do with whatever they will. And it is OP's prerogative to lay down punishments for things that are done in bad faith in tournaments. And it is okay what happened punishment-wise it's the method in which it happened. Yeah. And that is yeah. sometimes also very, 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 very important. If I went on my work podcast and I said, mm-hmm. oh, all Canadians are trash at data science, I would get fired. I wouldn't just lose the spot that I have on my podcast. I would lose my entire fucking job. There are things that are damaging to a brand's image that you can't let people say on your stream. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's the other thing that being a bunch of leftist queers that uh, a lot of us, even within Nisei, probably don't realize to a certain extent is it is a corporation. It is a business. It's a it's a not-for-profit business, and it's run by fans, and it's done to keep a game that we want to play alive, but it makes money, and it mm-hmm. spends money on this game. The art, the templates, the symbols, and all that stuff... They're not cheap, especially for like System Gateway, which to your point was designed to bring in a whole bunch of new players and has. And the Intercontinentals, Worlds, and all those streams that have happened over the last year may have been their first time ever interacting with streams. So keeping those on brand is is like absolutely a mm-hmm. thing. 
Yeah. As far as the harm that you can possibly do by having a bad, like a stream with a bad tone, it is much larger since System Gateway introduced a lot of new players. So the instinct to protect that is very real as well. It's understandable. It's an understandable motivation and in some way probably motivated some of this. Yeah, absolutely. So there is also a difference between being corporate and being organized. Because True. anarchist True. movements are organized I'm, and sometimes have an extreme level of organization. The thing is, I don't just mean organized, <laughs> though. I clearly don't just mean organized here because yeah. I think there's a level of putting on a more corporate tone on a stream that I'm talking mm-hmm. about here. Yeah, Now, for sure. We didn't really talk about the blame changer write-up. Should we dig into the blame changer discourse? By volume, that was by far the longest point that was brought up in this laundry list. And it was the most recent, the most fresh on everyone's minds. I suppose we should. I believe that you and I have a little bit of a different take on it. Walk us through what the Blame Changer write-up was and what your take on it is. So the Blame Changer write-up is a write-up for a deck that the Snare Bears came up with. That's the testing group the White Blade plays with. Blame Changer is one of their creations, which is a sports metal deck that draws cards, scores agendas, and goes really, really fast. If you've played against a sports metal deck in the last month, it's Blame Changer. You can see it at OTG. You can see it at Intercontinentals. You can see it at Continentals. If you get a hold of any of those streams or VODs or any of that nature, you can see this deck. So the deck, as far as I understand it, is a case study in why the card Project Vacheron should be banned. This deck was used first at the New York Store Championship to get first, second. The whole idea here was that they were going to just prove how toxic this card was to the environment. And it apparently was triggered by Eric saying to the SBL that Vacheron is toxic and being ignored. There's a little more context that we need to give there, I think. And I believe the timeline of him telling the SBL was directly prior to a ban list coming out. It might have been with very little notice that this opinion was given to the SBL, to be fair. I don't know the exact timeline. The detail that I've seen from some of the people involved who have spoken publicly is less than a week before it was published. Yeah, so very little time to test that ban and very little time to actually take it seriously, to be fair. This write-up is basically about how this is a dumb combo deck and you just score agendas or whatever. Imagine banning Game Changer instead of Vacheron. And here, if we want to keep Vacheron, here is all of the other cards that we need to ban. And there's a list of, you know, like Audacity and Sprint and Vanilla, obvious meme cards of banning. And then there is an image of Sweet SBL and Hella Whiteblade. It's Hella Whiteblade saying, you know, I told you about Vashron, and it's the SBL saying, why does this keep happening and we can't get it right, essentially. There's also the chick tracked meme at the top that's like, Eric as Jesus just banned Vacheron <laughs> while SBL shut up. Yeah. They hated him because he told the truth. Yeah. So my take on this is that I think that this is edgy 
I think that it is abrasive, but I think that it's hella funny and it doesn't attack anybody in particular. And therefore, I don't think that this is like against the code of conduct. And I don't think that this is like an offense that anybody should be taken to task over. I disagree with you in a few ways here. And I know you disagree. I think the first one that I want to go with is it doesn't have to be a code of conduct offense. This was attached to we're not comfortable having you on streams anymore. That doesn't have to be a Mm -hmm. code of conduct offense Mm -hmm. that means you're not on streams anymore. It could just be the tone that you take when you communicate in public places about Mm -hmm. the game. I think it's not fair to say it has to be a code of conduct thing for them to be worried about what happened in this write-up. That's fair. I can get with you on that. Yep. I think I disagree with you in the sense of basically like, let's say that I take this probably with the amount of good faith that it was intended for me to be taken with. Yeah. Even if I do that, I do think that there is the possibility that it could cause real harm. Jesus, I know people are going to fucking light me up for saying this probably, but imagine that you are someone new to Netrunner. You have learned about this game, Netrunner. You're like, man, Netrunner is a cool game. I heard about this tool, NetrunnerDB.com, that helps me file my deck list so that I don't have to store them on like pieces of paper in my apartment. And I can like look up cards. Wow, that sounds so great. Let me go to NetrunnerDB.com. And you go to NetrunnerDB.com. And you see, oh, they have a deck list of the week. That's amazing. I can look at what decks are popular right now, what decks are performing well right now, what decks the community thinks are great right now. And you click on Game Changer and you're introduced to this just thing that exists. And I think it's not unreasonable to think that this person new to the game says, this is a community that's full of complete shitheads and I don't want to be part of it. This is worse than magic. Ooh. Okay. I guess my point is, I think that even in a world where it doesn't attack anyone directly, there is the possibility because of the profile of the person saying it and because of the way that it was said, there is still the possibility that it can do harm to the community. Mm -hmm. Am I singling Whiteblade out here? Absolutely not. I think that many people have done the exact same thing in the past. Decklist of the week can sometimes be shitty, but just because there have been other shitty deck lists of the week doesn't mean that you get to deflect all criticism just because, wow, it's just a deck list. It's just a deck list of the week. Those are always memes. I don't think that that's the case. Look through deck list of the week. There are plenty of cases where someone just has a funny write-up and it's not a funny write-up tearing any one or thing or specific decision down. I take issue with the tone here, even in a world where we agree that this doesn't attack the SBL in any way. Oh, no, it does attack the SPL, but not specific members was my point. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I can get behind what you're saying in that, especially when it comes to the perspective of like a new player looking at this and looking at like Eric comparing himself to Jesus. And um, to be clear, I think that the meme is very funny. I think that I have to think of more than just my own perspective here, though. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm coming from, is I'm coming from the perspective of, like, to me, it's kind of funny. To me, the entire fucking thing is hilarious. This is a great write-up if yeah. it's just something that everyone who has the correct context see. I, yeah. I think one of the other points that was made was, like, there's absolutely no context in here about, like, the amount of time that was there between you saying Vashron's actually the problem and when the yeah. SBL came out. I think that's one of the problems here is, like, 
that's where the harm's actually done is not only does it make you think, well, I don't know, like the, the best players in this game are kind of toxic. It can also make you think, oh, the organization running this game just doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't think it would have solved all of the problems, but I think that having that in there would at least have, and I know that the point here isn't to be fair, but even when you're yeah. being unfair to be a little bit fair. I gotcha. Again, getting behind what you're talking about with different perspectives, somebody that doesn't know Whiteblade might not know how exactly tongue-in-cheek he's being here. If I look at this, right, I, you know, I read the line, but their hubris was their undoing. And I don't know Whiteblade and I don't know the SPL. It is possible that I could think that he seriously believes that there are a bunch of people on the team that are full of like arrogance and hubris. And I don't honestly think that he believes that. Again, I don't want to speak for him or assign his intent, but I know, for instance, that Ajar is on the SPL. And I know that Whiteblade has a ton of respect for Ajar. So I know that context. And that's probably why I don't think it's egregious and why I think it's hella funny. Listening to what you're saying and thinking about different perspectives, I can get where you're coming from. One of the object lessons that I have here from like the annals of Netrunner history that I'd like to, one of the few points of levity that we're going to have in this episode, I think, I'd like to compare it to America Val. The context here. Foil Flaws, an American player, this was back in 2018, so in the heyday of Val and CTM. Very good American player, was I think over in England for work for like two weekends, went to two consecutive regionals, large regionals, I think like over 50 people, like at the time where there were some of the strongest players who have ever played Netrunner were playing in these regionals, and won both of them, like back to back, just, all right, yep, took down the Preston regional, took down the Manchester regional, now I'm going back to America. See ya, nerds. And in the deck write-ups, Like these are honestly, in some ways, a lot more directly calling out people. And one of them in particular is the America Val, which begins with a reference to this beautiful call from a 1981 upset where Norway defeated England in the Soccer World Cup, which I'm going to play real quick. Jesus Christ, I had, to, I had to mute myself halfway through that because I die laughing when he starts calling out the famous historical 
English people, like Lord Nelson. I'm going to start with fucking Lord Nelson. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, He basically transcribed this word for word into the America Val write-up. We can go to that. So Lord Nelson, Lord Beaverbrook, Sir Winston Churchill, Sir Anthony Eden, Clement Attlee, Henry Cooper, Lady Diana, Chris Dyer. Can you hear me, Chris Dyer? Your boys took one hell of a beating. Your boys took one hell of a beating. And then it has a picture of George Washington. (laughs) And then he immediately follows that up with the UK is a country full of jokers. And let me come and take down two regionals back to back. This list is clearly superior to anything in the UK. It also got second at the Cleveland Regional with some more changes, but America is clearly better and tougher competition. The reason that I bring this up, this is clearly an abrasive attacking deck list also, right? Like th- this write-up is just calling out an entire fucking sovereign nation as explicitly as you possibly can. But I don't think anyone involved actually had a problem with this because it's so, it's different, right? There's something very clearly different about it, I think. I mean, this is basically just the trash talk of somebody who won a championship. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's trash talk. It's directed at other people who had a chance to actually beat you in games. There's a clear difference here, I think, you know? Yeah, I mean, as far as speaking to the competency of someone who's putting together like a ban list for the game you're playing, I suppose that if you were to compare the two, though, with from the perspective of a new player, they're very similar, though. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's well, I think it's very clear that it's trash talk, even to a new player. They look at this and they see, oh, you are not a UK player. You won two UK regionals back to back. You have a picture of George Washington. Like, yeah, it's very clear that this is trash talk. It's like, I don't think anyone's gonna look at this and be like, wow, yeah. that runner sucks. Worst case that could happen is people mm-hmm. look at this and they're like, maybe a little bit of toxic competition in this community. And I don't love that. I think that's the worst case. Yeah, that's fair. When you look at the comments too, it's so clear. Like you have one player in the comments, you'll pay for bringing Atlee into this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose the the main difference too is that who it's directed at is also different in that Peter and the people that he's directing this at, like say Chris Dyer were friends. It's still very in jokey. Mm-hmm. And as somebody new to the game and new to these people, you might not know all of the context here and might read things into it, but the UK players expected, I would guess based on the fact that they played these tournaments with Peter probably trash talked during them so Mm -hmm. they knew that there Mm -hmm. was going to be some sort of write-up about them that was going to be very (laughs) i'd be shocked if there weren't trash talk in both directions you know i mean oh for sure the number god like back in those days especially the number of times that i listened to a stream of a european event and just like literally every single person on the comms was talking about how there isn't a single person in america who can play moons i think that historically speaking the amount of shit talk between the American continents and Europe and the UK in particular is just legendarily a gigantic amount. There's also some precedent for trash talk among European nations, because remember there was CTM canonical CTM Mm -hmm. and then the even more correct CTM. 
and they only differed by like three cards amongst three decks, which was also a very good meme. Anyway, I think that the SBL, in contrast, they were caught off guard by it. Let's be real. They wouldn't have expected to be called out in a write-up, whereas when you're talking about these two lists, I mean, the players involved absolutely expected some sort of meme write-up and call-out. There's no way that they didn't because they had done things in the past themselves that were basically the same thing. After this discussion, I think I've come around a little to your way of saying, like, it's not as clear-cut as I thought going into yeah. this. There's still There's... a bit of the same problem potentially. I, I still am very much on the side of I, this one seems... Maybe the truth lies somewhere in between, just like everything. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, we're going there in this episode. All right, I think that's probably enough discussion of White Blade. We've beaten the horse that George Washington is sitting on, uh, which is now dead quite a bit on this topic. So the last thing that we want to discuss is the fact that Jade is no longer a part of Nisei. I think an important thing to bring up is who is Jade? Josh, you probably have a better view of this within Nisei, but even before Nisei, even while the game was entirely in the purview of FFG, Jade was Netrunner rules. Jade understood how the game of Netrunner worked at mm -hmm. a sufficiently deep level to make some of these very difficult rules calls. Yes. Yeah, so Jade was the head of the Android Netrunner Comprehensive Unofficial Rules, or ANCHOR, and they took that forward into... Nisei being hired on as the rules manager. And yeah, their goal has always been to come up with a comprehensive model of how the game of Netrunner works. And when mm -hmm. they took over for Nisei, the very first thing that they did was they started working on the Nisei comprehensive rules document, standardizing templating to provide a type of rules reference to make judging tournaments much easier, not relying on Twitter rulings or the word of God to actually make the game function. Having an actual model with actual physics, so to speak, that behave in predictable ways. All of the comprehensive rules documents that you're talking about are not their sole work. There is a team of people, rules associates, and taking their place is Jamie, they will be the interim rules manager while there is this transition. Jamie actually worked on Anchor with Jade. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're in very good hands. Yeah. But oh, oh, very it, much so. Very much so. Yeah. Yes. But. So basically, all of this templating, all of these rules documents, though they were at the direction of Jade. Very involved in the community, very involved in the game, very involved in how the game functions. Also was involved with design on some of the mm -hmm. sets. I just want to say, I don't know more than anybody else does. It came as a surprise to myself as well. If you're looking to get more information out of Nisei people, just don't because yeah. there isn't really any information to share. We don't know any of the context. There are only a handful of people that do, and it has been stated that, unfortunately, due to the nature of whatever it was, details won't be shared. And for that reason, I think it would be 
inappropriate for us to speculate what the cause was. Correct. We won't be doing that here. We will not be doing that. We don't want any of our listeners to speculate in comments or just leave Mm -hmm. it alone. Exactly. So the whole reason I would want to remark on it is to essentially just tell Jade, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for making this game even better. You have left your mark on the legacy of this game for as long as it's going to continue. The work on the comprehensive rules and the templating has been fantastic. Judging OTG was the easiest time that I've had judging one of these things. Remember, I've done this four times. This last year was so awesome because of those documents. I could just control F and find what I needed and make my rulings, and it was awesome. I regret this loss, and I feel it, and I just want Jade to know if they are listening that everything that you did for this community is appreciated, and I love you. Yeah. Yeah, I echo all of that. I mean, even at a personal level, I I can't pretend that Jade and I were close friends who hung out a lot. But yeah, same. We did interact at Magnum Opus mm-hmm. in 2018. And I just remember very clearly from that interaction, that was one of the funniest and most fun conversations about Netrunner I've ever had. Yep. And I remember one specific tidbit from that conversation. This was after we had learned that Jade was going to be the rules manager for Nisei. Jade was talking about the application process. I think someone actually asked kind of under the guise of, did you even have to apply to do that? And Jade said, yeah, of of course, like everyone has to apply. I applied. And one of the things in the application was, what is a weird ruling in Netrunner? This is like years old memory at this point. So I might be incorrect on the exact details here, but the example that Jade brought up was, okay, So you have the card Dadiana Chakan in play for some reason. I don't know why you have this card in play, but you do. Dadiana Chakan, what that card does is it gives you money if you have a small amount of money, but not zero. So I think it's like you have to have less than five credits and it trips for one a turn and it costs zero. But if you ever have exactly zero credits, then it deals you three meat damage and trashes itself. It's a very bad card. Don't play this card. It's Mm -hmm. a bad card. It's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. But this card exists. And what Jade brought up as an unresolvable situation under the current Netrunner rules at the time was, let's say that you have Dadiana Chakan in play, you have exactly five credits, and you want to play a sure gamble that is in your hand. Under the current rules of Netrunner, the first thing that you did at the time was pay the five credits. At this point, you have zero credits, Dadiana Chakan deals you three meat damage, and you could trash the sure gamble from your hand. If you do this, what happens? (laughs) And this was the first time that I got banned from the game of Netrunner. I said, well, what if one of your other cards is I've had worse? And what if one of the cards that you draw is sure gamble? And (laughs) the look on Jade's face, I apologize for that, Jade. That that seemed like a moment of true anguish for you. (laughs) But I I appreciate the good humor and the fact that you officially banned me from the game of Netrunner and I can never play again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where where else do you get discussions like that? (laughs) So yes, absolutely. Thank you for everything you've done for the game, Jade. And the game would not have been the same without you. And I hope that you know that you have truly been a part of this game being as fun as it is. Absolutely. I don't know if I really have anything more to say than that. I don't think I do either.
Okay. Well, um, I think that means we're at the end of the episode. This has been the slums cast. If you tuned into this episode of the slums cast, you probably were expecting something slightly different. We hope that you are okay with us opining about things that have happened in the community like this. Again, I think it's just a case of these are topics that we couldn't not speak about. Um, Mm -hmm. And for that reason, we're not going to do the normal spiel about, you know, oh, follow us, buy our merch, all of that stuff. Listen to a different episode if you want that. Thanks for listening and go out, act in good faith, be kind, be good Netrunner players. And yeah, that's all I have. I have a closing argument as well, which is be kind to each other and also allow each other the space to fuck up. I have an opinion that's derived from a few phrases that I like to keep close to the chest. The first is from a friend. He said to me once, good and evil are not something people are. They're something that people do. And the second thing is we are what we most often do. We have to remember that people are not innately good or bad. And then an act of either does not wipe away the whole history of good or bad actions. There have been some things recently and in the past where people have looked at certain actions and they have assigned to people these characteristics. You're bad. You're toxic. Things of that nature. Those are not things that people are. And I also want you to remember that when somebody does something toxic or does something bad, look at their history and look at what they have most often done. Look at what Jade and Eric, as the two examples we brought up in this episode, have done for our community. We can have problems with individual actions and they can have consequences, but as a a statement on the outside of this whole thing, please stop assigning adjectives to people (laughs) and be good to one another and allow us the space to fuck up and do these things and recover. That's my closing argument here. And I love everybody in this community. Whatever's roiling us, we will make it through it. We've had worse. Cool. I think that's it.